another edition of First and Now, the often imitated, seldom duplicated BC Lions official podcast. Whether you believe that's accurate or not, we're still here. Matt Baker, Nick Kowalski, inside of 30 days to Kamloops, starting to get excited there. Are you, young fellow? Very, yeah. The The one-month uh, countdown is on now, and that, that's super exciting in itself. Yeah, rookies will report to Thompson Rivers uh, University May 11th. Rookies and I believe the quarterbacks, not sure yet, but we'll have all roster information uh, for you next month for sure. And then, um, yeah, it's on. Uh, we announced this week uh, the, the one-month countdown. For those fans wondering, we'll have FanFest uh, back, uh, brought to you by BCLC FanFest at Hillside. Includes a team scrimmage, a play with the pros clinic, all that fun stuff that we were used to pre 2020, so to speak. And uh, starting to feel like football definitely, isn't it, Nick? Yep. Yeah, for sure. We I would, it's felt really good all season with the, or the off season with the guys uh, all here with the quarterbacks and the offensive linemen and a couple others, but yeah, like, like we said, under a month. And we're going to get into that um, pretty much here in just a minute. Julio Caravetta, longtime BC Lions radio analyst, uh, Lions football back this season on AM 730 and the Lions radio network. Uh, Julio, of course, uh, no stranger to the BC Lions and Canadian football. Maybe we'll have some fun with Julio, talk about his own playing career and, and some of the various uh, CFL markets he used to visit that no longer exist. But um, you, uh, the, the whole Canadian quarterback dynamic, we've talked about it a lot. You've been out filming Rourke and O'Connor. Uh, for our Arrow Up documentary, check out the trailer at bclions.com. Um, we'll talk to Julio about these guys, but Nick, how much have you enjoyed being around those two up close? It's been, it's been fantastic with each of them. Um, like they, they've put in the work in all offseason. They've been throwing in North Vancouver uh, multiple times a week with a really, really excellent uh, quarterback, kinesiologist coach and Rob Williams. And they both seem ready to take on the season and take whatever challenges come at them. I know Nathan's been named the starter, but Michael's um, definitely proclaimed that he's ready to jump in at any moment and do whatever it takes to help the team win a great cup. And just both of them, I think that they'll surprise some people this year. I know people are maybe uncertain that they don't have the experience maybe heading into this season, but based on what I've seen kind of behind behind the scenes, I guess you could say is they're both ready and they're, they're both extremely talented uh, players at the quarterback spot. It's kind of damned. If you do damned, if you don't right beforehand, you know, we used to hear, Oh, you know, Michael Riley's getting too much. And um, you know, it's, it's left you thin at other positions. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, a lot of factors went into the last couple of years and um, not being able to put together a winning playoff season, but um, we'll get into this with Julio. It's, it's allowed the organization to address some other key needs on the roster, defensive line, defensive back, the kicking game. We had Sean White on a podcast here a couple of weeks ago. Should be no real anxiety with the kicking game. So we're going to get into all that with Julio Caravetta of the Lions Radio Network coming up. And now we head over to the Bat Cave, Julio Car Caravetta. There's nothing, there's nothing embarrassing behind me, is there? There's a towel, right? That's it. Okay, because I had to do a little cleanup. 
So well, we had we had that scandal at the start of COVID when you were kind of walking around in your underwear and you didn't realize <laughs> your Zoom camera was still on. But no, that wasn't you. That was somebody else on the broadcast. Yeah, that would have definitely been somebody else. Yeah. Uh, Matt Baker, Nick Kowalski first. And now uh, Julio with us as uh, on the day we're recording this, we, we posted that Jalen Edwards Cooper video, number 29, 29 days until rookie camp starts. And um Julio, sir, uh, you must be getting really excited. Uh, how how jacked are you to get on with 2022? Well, you know, I mean, I always get super excited this time of the year. At, uh, you know, I mean, for, you know, just for the start of football, you know, when it's been in your blood this long, you know, any this time of the year, always, uh, you know, as a player, um, you know, it starts getting closer. You know, get more guys coming out to work out. Um, and for us uh, who cover the league, you know, we get excited about all the potential. We love looking forward to, you know, what all the teams are going to look like. And especially for me, a lot of changes with the BC Lions and uh, a lot of exciting change, a lot of exciting additions. And it's going to be, uh, I think, a very, very uh, exciting time in this in this organization with the new ownership. This is going to be his first full year, uh, Mr. Doman's first full year. So excited about all the things off the field and super excited about what's going to happen on the field. Well said. I mean, and we can't really talk about the makeup of this roster and um, how it's going to look here going forward this year and beyond that, hopefully for several years without, you know, talking about the big domino to fall. And we were kind of expecting it. Michael Riley retiring, uh, Nathan Rourke listed as the starting quarterback along with fellow Canadian Michael O'Connor, also have Isaac Harker and Kevin Thompson coming to camp. So four solid quarterbacks going to be fighting for reps. Just your whole thoughts, though, Julio, uh, on the changing of the guard behind center. It's the big story. Yeah, no no, no question. Uh, you know, Nathan uh, obviously um, has proven to the organization, and, you know, I know he's proven it to, to me, um, that he's ready uh, for this next step. Um and obviously, you know, when you're going into a season with a, with a guy who's got, you know, relatively little experience um, at the pro level, um, there's always going to be question marks. But you have to trust what you see from an evaluation standpoint. And, you know, for me, I watch the quarterbacks very closely. And everything about Nathan's game tells me that he's going to be a very good quarterback. You know, uh, it's one of the things that really jumped out of me right away with him is that there's, there, there seemed to be no panic in his game. It's one thing about rookie quarterbacks. There's always a tendency to kind of make one read and then you start to scramble a little bit, looking to kind of get out of the pocket or make something happen with your feet. He's been very, very well coached throughout his, his career and his progression from one to two to three uh, is very impressive. Now, you know, is he going to be able to, you know, sustain a, a, a long season and, and all those things that go into being a starting quarterback. Everybody starts here, right? The Michael Riley's, the Bo Levi Mitchell's, the Trevor Harris's, they all start somewhere. And let's, let's hope for, for all of us in the BC Lions um, fan base that this is the starting point of a very, very um, good career for Nathan Rourke, uh, and, and that's obviously he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. You're now the starter. You're the guy that, you know, is going to be pulling the trigger every down. Uh, all eyes are going to be on you. And, and it's going to be an exciting it's going to be an exciting ride. Of course. And of Julio, Nathan Rourke is not only has the pressure of becoming the start of the season, but he also carries a Canadian passport. And just naturally in the CFL, that that adds a little more pressure and as someone 
on that yourself you've been in those shoes in the past so can you talk about is is there anything that comes extra with having the Canadian passport and being a starter yeah well I mean clearly that's that is going to be a topic that everyone wants to talk about because it, it just hasn't happened um this scenario like I ran into Larry Justanis and I don't know if you remember Larry Justanis um he was a quarterback back in the day when when I was playing and we were talking about you know hey wouldn't it be nice to be around now like given the fact that the the Lions are not only you know named Nathan Rourke their starter but they bring in a backup who's Canadian you know back in our day my goodness you would have never seen that so the pressure obviously is going to be I think on the outside because it just hasn't happened in a long time so you're going to have people who are going to be you know obviously interested in that storyline but I can honestly tell you that when you get to this level uh, you're not given anything. These, you know, Rick Campbell's job is to put a, put a, a, a you know, a, a very competitive and winning football team on the field. And that's Neil McAvoy's job. These guys are getting paid for that. You know, so they're not doing it because it's a good story. And they're not doing it because, oh, he's Canadian. This is, you know, we're going to, they're doing it because they believe in what they see. And they've been around the game a long time. They're not going to just do this on a whim. They have probably watched countless uh, tape. They've watched and studied him over and over again. And everything that they see indicates that this guy's going to be a great quarterback. Um, the fact that he's Canadian, I think, is going to be something for, you know, guys like me and, and the rest of the news pundits that cover the league. We can talk about that because it just hasn't happened in a long time. But I think from a football standpoint, um, Nathan has is, is, is done all the right things. The fact that he's Canadian is fantastic because I think it's going to be great for the league. But he's always said this. He just wants to be looked at as a quarterback. And I remember thinking that was to, my, to myself as well. Like the whole idea about, oh, you're Canadian, you're Canadian. You just want to be, you just want to be looked at as just another player. And you want to be judged on your merits and how good you are. And I think Nathan's done a very good job of that. And clearly he's done a very good job because they wouldn't have put him in this situation unless they really believed in him. And just as a follow-up to the whole Canadian quarterback uh, conversation, do you, in your opinion, we've seen Michael O'Connor and Nathan Rourke both mm-hmm. be high draft picks in the CFL too. And if you're following the CFL news this year, it sounds Trey like Ford. Trey Ford. Yeah, he's going to be another one that's even getting NFL attention. So yes. why do you think, is it is it just a matter of... Um, personnel in the CFL and even the NFL taking Canadian quarterbacks more seriously or are there better opportunities for them? Or why do you think this is in your opinion? You know, it's, that's a great question, Nick. And I put a lot of thought into that. And what I believe is this, is that football in this country from a grassroots level to where we are now has improved so much that the preparation has, has, has developed so much at the, at, the, at the youth level, into high school, and into college. And you can see with the amount of people that now are kids that are going down into the NCAA and being successful, and the amount of kids that are staying here and being successful in youth sports, it just tells me that they're much, they're much better prepared mentally. And I, I know like from a quarterback standpoint, and I, like I said, I, I put some thought into this because I, I coach at the high school level here. And one of the things that really jumps out at me is that 
these kids, a lot of them at this level, they're not physically, they're being taught how to drop and how to throw and all those things that are fundamental, no question. But so much of the game is played mentally. And you have to be mentally strong. You have to be resilient. You have to be prepared. And I think for a long time, I know in my case, I was physically as good as anybody. But from a mental standpoint, I was so far behind in preparation because I'd never been taught. I never was taught how to get ready for a game, how to watch film, how to, you know, um, be prepared for blitz situations and end of games and all those things that down in the States, they've been taught since probably they've been in grade six about what coverage looks like, about how to, how, how to run a two minute offense, all the, all the little things that for a quarterback are so important. And I think now you're getting the proper coaching and preparation because physically, you know, Larry Justanis would be another guy. Bob Dorrance was another guy. When I was around, we physically, we had the tools, but I think we were so far behind in the mental preparation part that we, we just couldn't catch up. And so these guys are different. You know, you, you look at Nathan's um, path to where he is and where he's been coached and how he's been coached. And Michael O'Connor is the same way. These guys are fabulous athletes, but they also have carry the component of the mental strength and resiliency you need to be successful because there are times when things are not going to go well. And there, you have to find a way to dig yourself, not only yourself out, but your team out. And that's a lot of pressure. So that's why I think the, the development of these kids at a younger age, they're understanding the coaching they're getting at an earlier stage is really making a big difference. And we're seeing now the, the impact of that with these guys now, you know, coming to the pro ranks and being ready to play. Mm -hmm. And you speak about the mental side of things when it comes to football. How important is it for Nathan's um, mindset that he has Jordan McSimmick coming back? He has yeah. Brian Burnham, Lucky Whitehead, even on the O-lines, uh, Joel Figueroa, Suk Chung are back. So how important is it, is yeah. it as a former player, uh, speaking yourself, to have kind of the band all back together? Yeah, that's that's huge, right? Because the other part of this is, and I think very, very important part, is that if you were to go pull each one of those guys aside and say, hey, can Nathan play? And they're going to all say the same thing. Yeah, he can play. You know why? Because they show up every day as, a, as an athlete and, and, a, and a, a you know guy who comes out and, and is a member of that team. You're always looking around. You're always evaluating other players yourself. Hey, what can I do that this guy's doing? Like I know for me personally, I used to watch Danny McManus like a hawk. How did he prepare? What did he do? What was his disposition like? Because I wanted to learn. I wanted to get better. Nathan has proved with his, his preparation, the kind of player that he is, the kind of work that he puts in, that they know that he's ready. They know because they would see it if this guy was just coming in, practicing, and then leaving. First one in, last one out. Puts the time in. When he gets out on the practice field, he's making the right throws. He's making the right decisions. They see that stuff, right? They, under, they know the game. They, they, they see through people that are 
that are just pretending and people that are the real deal. And I think Nathan is going to have a great supporting cast around him. I think one of the important things for him is he's not, he needs to realize that he doesn't have to win games on his own. They got a ton of talent. And to give those guys an opportunity to make plays for you and just make good decisions. And I, I'm convinced after all that I've seen from him that this is um, something that they're going to do with him is put him in positions and let the other guys make, let, let them make plays for him. Well said. Uh, by the way, Danny McManus, one of my childhood highlights was uh, meeting him um, in line at the old Scott 72 movie theater. Julio, you must have frequented that place kind of close to the facility. Yeah. Yeah, I have. When yeah, that Danny, place. Yeah. Danny and I were very, very good friends. And I'm pretty, pretty sure that if we were there watching a movie, we'd probably gone out to eat before that. Cause Safe that's that. another thing we used to do a lot of, but um, yeah. So yeah, Danny's, I love seeing Danny. Um, uh, when I get a chance in Winnipeg, sometimes he's there um, with the team and uh, it's always great to reminisce with him. One of the real, real great guys in the, in the Canadian football league. Absolutely. That that's, that's, that's a guy who should write a book for sure on all his yeah. experiences. If he can include most of the stuff that's interesting. Anyway, um, we're talking um, about the team and about the quarterbacks. Now I mentioned the domino effect, right? Um, you know, the contract situation being what it is now um, with Nathan and, and Michael, some very, very important additions ad addressed on day one of free agency. You can talk about the defensive line, uh, Stephen Richardson, David Menard, Matthew Betts, Woody Barron, um, the linebacking core remains intact. A couple of uh, surprises uh, on the defense, guys like Delvin Bro, Luches yeah. coming back. Um, those defensive uh, shortcomings last year should have been addressed, I think. Overall, wow. uh, what else? Ex ex yeah, what else excites you about free agency? Well, you 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 said it. Um, every one of those guys. Um, I think uh, you know Stephen Richardson's a guy that. You know, I think a lot of people had pegged as a very big impact player in free agency, and for the Lions to have got, gotten him, I think is 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 going to drastically improve their defensive line. Um, Woody Barron. Um, the other thing, and you talked about um, Matthew Betts and David Bernard. Of course, I, I I was always a huge fan of David Bernard. I thought he was very very underrated. Uh, he was just a guy that works his rear end off and, and it just shows up to every single game. He's never going to stop. And, and what I understand and what I've seen of, of Matthew Betts is it's the same thing. He's a guy that's got a motor that never stops. But, you know, you, when you talked about, you know, obviously Luchez Purifoy, we've had him here. He's a fantastic athlete and he can, he can impact the defense in so many different ways. He can play linebacker. He can play halfback. He can play safety. He can move, be moved all over the place. And then Delvin Bro. When Delvin Bro retired, he was a he was a shutdown corner. You know, if he comes back um, anywhere near what he was, man, that 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 was a, to me that one that surprised me a little bit. Um, and and he's a he's a hell of a player. And but the other thing I'll say about all like with all additions on if we're just talking about defense, the other part of this whole equation is this: when we talked about this last year, um, Bakes. What was the one thing we said about that defense, especially the defensive line? They had so many young newcomers, Boom Guachem, Tim Bonner, Josh Banks, right? Question all of those, yeah, all those guys now are going to be coming back with that much more experience. 
right? That's why they did what they did. They wanted to get younger. They did. And now year two of, of a guy who's coming back up here is such a huge deal for me because when you go back to working out in the off season, when you've had a full year, you understand how to work out, what to work on. You, nothing is new. You know the league. You've been to every stadium. Nothing is going to be unfamiliar to you. And for me, that's a big, that's a big deal. They have, um, they have a whole bunch of those guys. Keontae Harden's another one, a guy who had a heck of a, of a, of a rookie year. He's going to be that much better coming in this year because of his preparation. He knows what to expect. A lot of these guys, when they come up here, they've never, they've never played the Canadian football. They don't, they, a lot of them don't understand the rules. But now after having one year of that experience under your belt, your preparation is going to be so much better. And now you're going to reap the benefits of that, that commitment to going to younger and maybe, you know, having to make mistakes and learning on the go. Now this year, you're going to reap the benefits. So I'm excited to see some of those guys come back and the impact that they can have on the team as well. And just to tie this all back to training camp, which is beginning in under a month, um, those two positional groups, defensive line and the secondary, those are two position groups I see having like an, a very intense battles for starting spots because you got, if you just look, you have more starter caliber players and positions available to start at. So um, as a former player yourself, like how, how does having training camp battles um, make the camp experience overall better? Well, I tell you what, you I mean, as a player, you realize, uh, and a lot of those guys know, it's a business, right? And they realize that uh, they need to come in in great shape. They need to come prepared. And what they do in training camp is going to be a, a big indicator about who stays and who goes. And, and the reality is when you bring that kind of group in, and that says something about what Neil and, and Rick have done, is they've made, a very, they've made it a very, very competitive scenario. And they're not going to, nobody's, nobody's going to be caught off guard. And the best part about this too, is that we talk about the veterans and, and how competitive it's going to be guys. We've all been around the game long enough. Somebody's going to come up and surprise you. You know, some of the, some of these rookies that they're going to bring in, somebody's going to surprise you and say, wow, you know um, I've seen it over and over again, coming to training camp when there's guys that all of a sudden they come out of nowhere to surprise you and, you know, they'll find, they have to find a way to make it work to get the guy in the field. So that's the exciting part. When you, when you put a competitive team on the field and the Lions have done that, given what happened to them last year, they needed to get better and they went out and got what they needed to be better. And it's going to make a huge, huge impact on the field and it's going to be competitive. It's going to be lively. It's going to be um, intense, but from a coach's standpoint, that's what you want. One of those surprises back in 2016, Luches Purifoy, right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's guys, you, you, I mean, this, this is the, this is the job of, of, of scouting and recruiting. And this is why they're down there right now doing free agent camps. And it, it what, what was, was, I think it was, I, I know it was Wally Buono that used to, when he used to have his opening speech of training camp and he, when he was the general manager and the head coach, he used to tell everybody, my job, my job, what I put food on the table for my family is to find someone better than you. Yeah. Right. That's your job. He has to be able to go out and try to make his team 
the best that he possibly can. And you do that by bringing in talent and you allow them to compete. And then you use all your experience to make the right decision. But when you get into those scenarios, it's a good place to be because you're going to, you know, you're going to field a good team. Well said. Uh, while we have you for a few more minutes here on first and now, uh, excellent breakdown of uh, the quarterbacks and, and the potential camp battles. We're, we're just getting excited talking about this, but um, we're about uh, three weeks out from the draft. Now, we've talked about this before, Julio. You were undrafted. Maybe speaks yep. to how competitive you were coming in, earning a spot and carving out a long career. But I didn't know this about you. Trusting that Wikipedia here is accurate. You at one point were um, selected by Montreal in the dispersal draft when Baltimore moved, right? Yes. They could protect some imports and then traded back to the Lions. What do you remember about (laughs) that whole process? Well, well, what I remember is this, is that that was a big deal back then for me. So what ended up happening when Montreal came into the league, they had a dispersal draft. Mm-hmm. Right. So the teams were allowed to protect a certain amount of Canadians. And I happened to be one of the protected Canadians. Spencer McLennan, if you remember Spencer McLennan, yep. he was unprotected and he got drafted by Montreal. So when I got chosen, I didn't get chosen in that draft. But what ended up happening was I heard through the grapevine was that Montreal wasn't happy about the idea that they didn't get enough Canadians. So rather than they couldn't get a dispersal draft again because the, pen, the players association wouldn't allow it. So the league made a deal and said to the teams, hey, listen, you got to trade somebody to Montreal. And so Dave Ritchie was there. And Dave Ritchie yes. and I had a yeah. bit of a history. He knew who I was and liked me. And um, I, got, I got traded to Montreal. But I, I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that because – this is an illegal draft. Like it's an illegal way to do it. Like you, you had to dispersal draft. I'm not. So everyone just kind of traded someone there. And I was just like, I'm not going. And I ended up sitting out about a 10 days of training camp that year and ended up getting traded back. And it had nothing to do with not wanting to go to Montreal. Like, you know, Dave liked me. He, he wanted, he wanted yeah. me to play there, but I just, I just said, this isn't right. So anyways, I waited, I think it was, I think it was about 10 days. Um, and then I got traded back to the Lions. And I think it was a second round pick, if I'm not mistaken. And, and who was that pick? Who did Montreal pick with that? Do you remember? Does it say there? Uh, I don't recall. Jerome to- Payton. Wow. <laughs> he was the pick that, uh, that, that went back. But he never, obviously never played up here. But um, yeah, so that's how that all went down. So I got traded back and, and never, never set foot in, um, in Montreal. That happened to me twice, actually. In wow. 1993, uh, when Eric Tillman first got here and Dave Ritchie got here, I went to training camp and, um, you know, I, I thought I won a job. And Jason Brodusco, who was a quarterback, who they had signed, he was, went to Illinois, was yeah. a big sign. There's, they gave him a big signing bonus and everything, and he turned out to be a real he didn't turn out to be what they thought he was going to be. So anyways, I was on the practice roster and Bob Obilovich was the coach in Toronto and he plucked me off the practice roster. Um, I, and I went and while I was in the air, Louie got hurt in Calgary because the team was in Calgary when I left. 
And Tillman activated my contract while he was in Calgary. And so when I landed in Toronto, I was still a member of the BC Lions because I you could I was my contract had been activated. So I got there and then they tried to make a trade and they wouldn't trade. So I had to I had to come all the way back. Wow. <laughs> so those are the two times that I've been picked up and brought back. I never played with another team. I, I always, you know, I mean, I just I, I just never it never happened. So um, I'm thankful that it worked that way because, you know, the Lions in the following year, 1994, end up winning the Great Cup. And, and I was part of that team. And it's amazing how you, you know, kind of go up and down a little bit with your career and how things work out. Forgotten trivia. Wow. I'm glad I brought that up. Um, and very quickly, um, I know Nick has uh, another one to ask, too. But on that same wavelength, your first start as a Lion, according to this, was at yeah. Baltimore in 95. Uh, what do you remember in general about playing those American cities and going to those markets like Vegas and Memphis? Oh, and it was it was fantastic. It was such it was so like it, it was so new, right? And and you know we were all super excited about about doing it. Um, I won't lie, the um, the game in what well, my my game in Baltimore was obviously really special and. You know, there was probably about twenty-eight or twenty-nine thousand people there at Old Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. Um, but Baltimore at that time too was, and that was nineteen ninety-five. They were, I want to say, they were when we played them. They were like twelve and two. They were their defense was yeah. unbelievable. OJ Bergantz was their, you know, they had a ton of all stars in that team. It was so. It was funny. I'll tell you a funny story though. When I was named the starter, the spread was six and a half and it went from six and a half to 14 and a half. <laughs> so they just, they figured there's no chance, right? I'd make it my first start against Baltimore's defense. It was going to be a disaster. So anyways, we ended up hanging in there and we ended up losing on a last second field goal by Carlos Huerta. Yeah. If you remember. Um, and we lost, I think it was, I want to say 27, 25 or something like that it, it, around there. So anyways, after the game, I was, you know, I was, I was obviously upset we didn't win, but it was, it was a competitive game, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a blowout or anything, which a lot of people thought it was going to be. And I remember Jim Mills coming up to me and saying to me, remember Jim Mills, the, the, the Hall of Fame uh, offensive lineman, he came up to me and said, hey, listen, I just want to let you know something. I'm, I'm really proud of you. You, you, did, you did yourself well tonight, I think. Well, I said, thanks, Jimmy. He goes, he goes but my buddies are going to be, are going to be really choked. And I said, why? He goes, well, he goes, they asked me if there was any chance that I would cover the spread. And he said, no way. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that was, uh, that was one of my, my fondest memories of that conversation after, after the game. But uh, yeah, it was a huge, huge deal for all of us to be able to go down there and compete against the Americans. Cause that's all those rosters were a hundred percent American and not one Canadian on them. And, and a lot of guys took a lot of pride in going down and competing against them. Fantastic stuff about the, the American <laughs> days in the CFL, but yeah. uh, just, just closing out here, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the other teams in the CFL right now. You know, free agency's passed. Uh, we've seen Delvin Bro, Deron Carter come out of retirement. Uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli's found a new home, Brandon Banks. So who do you think is going to be the, the top competition for the Lions this season across the league? Wow. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think obviously Calgary, is going to be there again because anytime you have Bo Levi Mitchell, you know you're going to be competitive. And 
And Dave Dickinson and, and John Huffnagel, they know how to put together a winning team. They always have them, and they're always going to be competitive. Saskatchewan, the same thing. Um, and, and obviously in the West, now that Chris Jones is back, you know, say what you want about, about Chris. He can coach. He's proven it over and over again, and you know that they're going to be competitive. Um, so as far as the, the West goes, man, oh, man, you look. And then I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even mention Winnipeg. Like, are you kidding me? They're, they obviously are going to bring back a lot of guys. It's going to be very, very competitive in the West. Very competitive. Um, and then you look at what Ottawa d- did in free agency. They completely turned over their roster. They needed to, and they did. And getting Masoli makes them very competitive right away. So the, the East, I think, is, again, going to be, um, you know, competitive. It's, it's right across the board. I always say this at this time of the year is that whenever you get Whenever, like everyone obviously has high expectations. Every every team's going to say, hey, we put together the roster that's going to win a great cup. That's the mindset you have to have. But so many things can happen, um, you know, during the season and injuries and all those things that really have a huge impact on a team's ability to be competitive. Um, you know, every one of those teams I said, you may, could you imagine if they lose their starting quarterback to an injury, right? It's it's, it's, it's a huge, it's, it's, it's a question that everyone has to ask themselves. Right. So, um, but I think honestly, Nick, from top to bottom, it's going to be super competitive, super competitive. And, um, a lot of teams that needed to get better, they got better and it's, it's, it's going to be a very, very tight, close race and competitive. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be great for the fans and everybody watching, because I think it's going to be a really good year for competitive football in the Canadian football league. Everyone uh, has sky high expectations uh, in April and May. That is for sure. Um, great stuff, Julio. Um, you were almost an Alouette, almost an Argo. Not many people yeah. realize that. So we learn something new every time. Um, hey, uh, it's great. Uh, you know, you yourself, Moj, Whittingham, uh, everyone uh, working back hard. Back together. The band. Yeah. It's like the Beatles are back together, isn't That's it? Right. Uh, (laughs) yeah everyone working hard behind the scenes uh, to make sure that the broadcast will go off without a hitch again Um, AM 730 Lions Radio Network Um, May 28th we're like not that far away away from an actual game broadcast preseason we get preseason back in 2022 Julio that's right that's right so yeah no I'm super super excited I also just want to say, Matt, and you, and you, Nick, uh, welcome aboard. It's great having you. Um, and you guys are doing a great job with all your stuff you're doing behind the scenes. I, I love it. And uh, keep doing some great work. There's plenty more to come, too, so stay tuned. I've, awesome. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Thank you so much. Great stuff that was with Julio. Uh, lengthy conversation, but we covered a lot of great topics Nick, you're too young to remember the CFL's American expansion. Were you even born yet? <laughs> I, was, I was born at the tail end of it, I believe. So I, w- I was learning stuff from Julio. Even the just hearing about the Baltimore days was pretty, or going to Baltimore uh, with Julia, that was a pretty cool story. And the fact that they had 29,000 people, he estimated, at one of the games, that's, that's like kudos to the, to the league for that. I don't know if they've gotten older or maybe passed on. There was, for a long time, I don't know if you ever saw this, there was a contingent of Baltimore fans 
that continued to follow the league and would make the annual Great Cup trip every year. That's how special it was. No way. Yeah. That's, it was an interesting, interesting time in the CFL, I imagine. Well, I remember interviewing Jamie Terrace uh, on one of these podcasts a couple of years ago. Might have been during COVID when we were just kind of branching out and reminiscing about the past. And he talked about going to Las Vegas and how the players would bring their wives, the married guys would bring their wives, and and it was just different. And uh, Jeff Reinbold, longtime veteran coach, now Montreal's special teams coordinator, was here uh, for a couple of stops recently in 2018. And he talked about how they basically had practices in a casino parking lot, I think. And there's some wild stories. It was at San Antonio or Memphis. Uh, the players were were staying in trailers on like a fairgrounds in their near trailers where the zoo animals were being kept. It was wild times. Can you imagine that? Well, I, I think of Vegas first and foremost. I know in the NHL when they first came in, they had a, they definitely had a home uh, home ice advantage just uh, based on the location with their own teams coming in and maybe making that more of a holiday. So I can't imagine one season in the CFL, you think you're going to Hamilton and Calgary and Edmonton. The next year on the schedule is Vegas, right? Like that has to be a quite a different change of scenery. And like you said, you can bring your wife, you can bring your family, your friends. Like you can make that a whole trip, not even football related, really. So I imagine the it was the posse, right? That was their name. Yeah. And sadly, the best memory of the posse was the the ill-fated anthem singer singing old Canada in the tune of old Christmas tree. That's, that's the automatic thing. People remember about the Las Vegas posse that oh, I'll, I'll want to up you on this. Then. Yeah. That? Anthony Calvillo is just going to bring that yeah. up because there was a stat the other season when, uh, when Chris Trevler started week one as a rookie for the Winnipeg blue bombers, he was the first rookie quarterback to start a week one game since Anthony Calvillo. And I want to say 1994 with the posse. Is that right? There was no rookie quarterback in the CFL to start a week one game from 1994 till 2018, whatever that was. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Traveler was the first since then. I, I, I vividly remember that uh, stat. So that was that when Matt Nichols hurt his knee in camp. Was that that yep. year? Okay. Yep. Remember that. Wow. Um, hey, we can talk, we can reminisce about these, these great times all day long and, um, you know, a lot of people talking about maybe Halifax Atlanta, or somewhere Atlantic Canada finally maybe going to 10 teams. I think it's an if, not a when. I know we've been saying that for a long time. And maybe the pandemic really is what had put that on hold recently. I'm not sure where the stadium mm-hmm. issue stands. So Halifax, I think we can all agree if we go to Atlantic Canada, maybe Quebec, somewhere like that, should be a little more of a Canadiana type vibe than it was in vegas memphis san antonio yeah well even just getting back to an even number of teams that help out right i know it's uh it's a lot easier said than done but um just for for, i think of labor day weekend for that too right just to have the the 10 teams all playing on labor day weekend would be fantastic but this is a big big dream right now lions and the atlantic schooners traditional rivals east versus west there you go Gotta love it. Uh, We want to wish all of our uh, listeners and subscribers an early happy Easter. Um, Glad everyone is back uh, being able to to do gatherings, enjoying their families, uh, enjoying the finer things in life. So don't eat too much chocolate. Uh, Thanks to all those listening. Uh, We'll be back perhaps next week to be determined. Start thinking of some guests now.
Um, <laughs> for those listening on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, whatever your platform is, we thank you. Please uh, leave us a review and, and tell your friends. Uh, we're doing CFL Lions content here on a weekly basis. And I know that's uh, a challenge for people to find when the games aren't being played, but we are, gra- we are glad to be here. Matt Baker, Nick Kowalski saying so long for now on First and Now.